The following program is brought to you by Taste Bud Entertainment. Welcome to an hour of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. Well, good morning, food lovers. Another delicious day in Southern California. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. Good morning to you, Lana. Good morning, everyone. There is nowhere else I would rather be on a Sunday morning than sharing scintillating conversation with you. We are loading your plate this morning with ideas, recipes, and tips that are easy to make and hard not to love. We have some really tasty recipes that call for loads of fresh ingredients. Some of them sneak in some primo prepared stuff too, but we're making things fast and easy for summer today. And if you have adventurous taste, then this show is for you. We are sure to spice up your life. You've made the right choice. You've tuned into Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. And knowing the basics of cooking gives you a platform to create brilliant levels of flavor and great dishes. And that is what we truly believe in when it comes to living the best life. We're sharing our outlook on the food world with you every Sunday in your radio and serving up seconds at chefjamie.com. Please be sure to sign up for our Chef Jamie weekly newsletter as well so you get recipe updates and upcoming event information. I'm very very proud to tell you I will be on the upcoming new season of Cutthroat Kitchen on the Food Network coming up on August 11th, Sunday night, 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. I will be sabotaging and cooking my little heart out. And uh, we're really excited to share the news. You'll get constant updates if you sign up for our weekly newsletter at chefjamie.com. It looks like a very exciting show. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's Alton Brown, first of all. So you have to know there's some whimsical wit going on. And there's a combination of sort of chopped and the greatest sabotage ever in a cooking challenge that I am very proud to have been a part of. In uh, the commercial, they're con- yes. he's constantly taking things away from yes. all the contestants. Take away your cheese, give you cheese whiz. Take away your sugar, give you donuts. Take away your knives, give you a plastic utensil. Uh, not is easy, by the way. <laughs> um, but very exciting news, and we'll keep you updated on the goings-on. Um, you can always uh, Facebook or Twitter. Uh, love to eat. Send a tweet. Become a Facebook friend and fan at Chef Jamie Gwen. We'll kick off this show uh, with what we like to call what we made this week. Um, it's a, a shameless uh, recounting of uh, what we cooked, what we ate, um, and what we're working on to hopefully inspire you to great new dishes. It's terribly inspirational. I thought so. I thought that portobello mushroom and spinach salad was oh. killer inspiration, mm-hmm. let me tell you. Uh, we grilled and chilled a bunch this past week, mm-hmm. and I loved your idea of portobellos on the grill, and I thought it was made even more spectacular in that it wilted the baby spinach leaves and became this sort of warm summer salad. Oh, it was so lovely. And just taking the portobellos and 
creating thick slices and adding some olive oil and balsamic. Mm-hmm. Salt and, and pepper just, right on the grill. And and fiery hot, by the way. Mm-hmm. We always talk about, uh, or I like to talk about a grill that has two different heat levels. I like to keep an indirect and a direct side, left and right on my barbecue, whether it be charcoal or gas. But when it comes to grilling vegetables, I always put them on, whether it's the infrared side of our big, beautiful gas grill or wherever is hottest on your barbecue because the natural sugars will caramelize and the high heat gives you good char and great flavor. And those mushrooms definitely had that smoky element Mm -hmm. to them that was just so delicious. It's even if you put a container of uh, some hickory chips or... Yeah, or a metal pie pan yes. with soaked chips mm-hmm. or an aluminum foil packet mm-hmm. with soaked wood chips. Poke a couple holes in it, throw it on the back of your grill, impart some extra smoke. That mm-hmm. is our grilled portobello mushroom salad. And again, those mushrooms that Lana mentioned that were marinated just go right on the grill till they get a, a good sear and they start to release their uh, their natural liquids. And the, the water evaporates essentially and the mushrooms get just even hardier and more rustic mm-hmm. in flavor. And then they went over a bed of baby spinach leaves that had been um, just very lightly tossed with that same balsamic vinegar olive oil combo, Mm -hmm. right? Don't forget the salt and pepper. Always salt and pepper your salad. Great restaurant trick. And the mushrooms go over the spinach and they wilt Mm -hmm. the spinach just slightly and then crumbled fresh goat cheese over the top. And a touch more olive oil and some molten salt just sprinkled Mm. on top. Oh, it's so good. That is a brilliant salad. Very easy. And a brilliant meatless Monday, by the way, because for meatless Monday meals, you're looking for, you know, a, a rustic substitute for protein and those mushrooms definitely suffice. I loved the flank steak. It was childhood memories for me, by the way, because um, for all of you that know, Lana is my mom and business partner, but I remember growing up with an Asian inspired skirt steak or flank steak recipe that is posted at chefjamie.com. And it's, uh, let's see, mirin, sesame oil, garlic, ginger, soy sauce. You could use sake in place of mirin, but the flavor totally infused into the meat and I seared that flank steak very quickly on both sides mm. and it was beautifully medium Three rare minutes, if maybe. I may say myself yeah. yes um, and was that not delicious now that on a is. non-meatless Monday you could have sliced that over the portobello mushroom and spinach mm-hmm. salad and I'd have known a lot of happy people Perfect. That would have been pleased to have had that for dinner, uh, but truly delicious. Yes, and when we're grilling, we always at the end of uh, a dinner, the grilling be- session before we end the barbecue. Yes, uh, we threw on some tomatoes as well and grilled some tomatoes. That we did. I like to look through my vegetable bin and see what there is left over. Especially in August. You're really smart. Mm. Yes. And tomatoes definitely uh, bountiful from the garden right now. And that's a great idea. Throw everything on the grill at the end of your grilling session so that you have whatever, you know, zucchini was left in the bin that's sort of on its way out, right? You have grilled vegetables for the next couple of days. You can Mm -hmm. chop them into a salad. You could layer them on a sandwich. You Mm -hmm. could serve them as a cold antipasti or side dish as well. Now, the grilled tomatoes made an exceptional grilled tomato soup. Yes, we also threw some uh, bread on there as well and some additional mushrooms yeah, that now, we had. Now you have a grilled tomato portobello bread soup exactly. in the Spanish style. And right. there's inspiration, by the way, at chefjamie.com. My fresh summer tomato soup is posted. And it's actually a keep it cool recipe, as we like to call it. It's oven off. So whether you grill the tomatoes in advance or you're just using raw, fresh, sweet, of the season tomatoes, this is a no-cook soup that 
that's full of flavor, ripe tomatoes of the season, olive oil, a little bit of balsamic to brighten this bowl of summer essence. And you could use a combination of tomatoes, red, yellow, orange. I think the flavor is best when you blend and even better when you grill them first. Are you putting all of that right into the blender or are you not cooking it first? No, puree it, baby. Ah. It's a simple no-cook tomato soup and it actually inspired the technique of the week, which is posted on the website. And it's all about keeping it cool. We call it oven off because lazy summer days just sometimes aren't made for cooking as much as we love to cook. And sometimes when the temperature is at its peak, uh, then you don't want to spend time sweating over the stove or the oven. So instead of adding extra heat to your home, we suggest you take advantage of summer's bountiful fresh vegetables. You can whip up dinner without turning on the oven. And if you're looking for some inspiration, consider gourmet sandwiches, salads, gazpacho, or other cold soups like the fresh summer tomato soup. Um, How about... Uh, caprese, like buffalo mozzarella or burrata with tomatoes and basil or a big, beautiful antipasto feast. It's a wonderful way to eat during summer. And what I've posted on the website as the technique of the week in the rotator on the homepage at chefjamie.com are all of the ingredients that I keep and you keep, Lana, in the pantry Mm -hmm. when it comes to summertime, like really good canned tuna packed in olive oil because you can make a traditional fashioned sandwich or you could make the French style pisaladière as it's called. Mm -hmm. You take a store-bought or pre-made pizza crust and you spread it with olive tepanade or dill creme fraiche and then you flake the olive oil tuna over it Mm. and big handfuls of fresh herbs or a salad on top, arugula leaves that have been tossed with olive oil and lemon right on top Mm -hmm. and you have a pisaladière and it's no cook. Oh, that's perfect. I love it. Perfect. But you you talk about using your pantry items and it's roasted red peppers and the bottled artichoke hearts. Yes. Oh, and bottled caponata possibly. My favorite. And... And Melissa sun-dried tomatoes. Those I could eat like candy. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you just take all of these bottled, jarred, good quality, gourmet, what I call snack items, Mm -hmm. and you lay them out on a gorgeous antipasto platter with the above-mentioned tuna and crackers or French bread, and you have a really tasty meal. Mm. And quick. Yeah, and super quick. quick. And quick. And uh, how about frozen shrimp? You used those the other night. I do. I always keep frozen cooked shrimp on hand. Now, I happen to love French fresh shrimp. Don't get me wrong. And most of the shrimp, by the way, that we're getting, the Mexican whites best right now, uh, they come in frozen. They're frozen on the boat. It's the way to capture the flavor. And then they're usually thawed and sold to you in your favorite, you know, fishmonger store or in your supermarket. But frozen shrimp, I keep on hand for unannounced guests because there's nothing better than a quickly thawed shrimp, by the way, under cold running water, about five or 10 minutes, and then a good cocktail sauce with a heaping tablespoon of extra hot horseradish for an Mm. elegant snack. So yes, and sometimes I'll, you know, throw the shrimp over a salad or toss them into an Asian vinaigrette and throw it over, you know, rice noodles or, uh, you know, just a simple shirataki noodle mm-hmm. um, and you have a, a great meal, mm-hmm. a, a quick and easy meal too. Um, all the essentials that you need to keep it cool this summer posted to uh, definitely, I think, make it a hot summer mm-hmm. <laughs> on chefjamie.com. No cook ideas. And don't forget the Hatch Chilies. We have an interview with Ida Rodriguez coming up about Hatch Chilies. Yes, that we do. But they're so wonderful in your refrigerator for the next month. 
Yeah, for the next year. I'm keeping them in the freezer. Roasted, in fact. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to mention, too, that with that antipasto platter that you throw together uh, to keep it cool, oven off, uh, you must open a bottle of Riesling. Mm. It is a summer of Riesling, and I've been doing some Riesling tastings, in fact, this past week. And... I think Riesling rocks. I will say um, there's something extraordinary about the pairings with Riesling and especially um, I'm big on pig. Everybody knows that. But anything salty or sweet is beautifully paired with Riesling. Mm-hmm. And I, there I think is a very important point to make here. And that is it is not always a sweet style wine go experiment with Riesling and realize the some of them slightly effervescent some of them on the drier side the beauty of a fresh gorgeous Riesling to go along with all of these summer dishes that we're talking about I think it is summer's best pairing Mm, and how about about with the brick sandwich that we have in the refrigerator oh definitely so oh okay so the cook with Lana recipe is Sort of a spin, a take on a mufalata, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you lay it or pi- layer it or pile it. The night um, before. Right, with all the wonderful deli meats and cheeses that you love. And you could sub out whatever you like most. Yeah, well, we use turkey, ham, uh, pepperoni, and provolone. Right, you could use... Uh- mortadella, capicola, mm-hmm. all your favorites inspired by Joe Manzella, right? Oh. In fact, we've got a sandwich piece coming up. Stay tuned in the coming Sundays. Wait till you hear about uh, the Catch restaurant in Anaheim. I, this is going to be a wave well, that's going to... meantime, you could go to the Catch. You could, but this, this is going to spread across the country. Trust us, because Joe Manzella is doing something called the Famous 50, and he is celebrating the 50 best sandwiches from across the country. Okay, more news to follow on that but first inspiration on the brick compressed sandwich that you've posted um, I think that the flavor is so delicious with the roasted red peppers and the basil and the pepperoncini Uh, if you stack the sandwich and then weigh it down which Mm -hmm. is where the brick comes in and all the flavors meld and merge together like a mufalata where the olive salad soaks into the bread Mm -hmm. so good so good and don't forget if you're letting it sit in the refrigerator for overnight or 24, 30 hours, yeah. put the basil leaves on right before you serve it. Yeah, it's a very good tip. So they don't uh, will. Very good tip. Um, lots of delicious recipe inspiration, by the way, at chefjamie.com. Ida Rodriguez's Hatch Chili S'mores from the new Melissa's Hatch Chili Cookbook. Those are killer, by the way. Don't miss it. Plus, I've posted a recipe for a cantaloupe ice pop. I got a really ripe cantaloupe mm. this week and uh, made these beautiful popsicles, which everyone seemed to love. You could always throw them into a b- great big balloon glass and then pour Prosecco over it Mm. and then tell all the adults you're having dessert. Last but not least, before we take a quick break, uh, we love inspiration from chef friends, from great food lovers, from home cooks that have become truly great talents. And we thank you, Chef John Merlino, my good friend of Fleming's Prime Steakhouse and Wine Bar, who listened to the show last Sunday when we were talking about the beauty of eggs and sent a note saying, hey, Jamie, have you ever soaked your hard-boiled eggs in the juice from a jar of pickles? Mm. Oh, my, he says. Two days refrigerated in your pickle jar with the leftover pickle juice. Eat the pickles first. Hard-boiled eggs become pickled eggs. John, you're a genius. That's pretty brilliant, fabulous, right? Brilliant. But then take that juice, never throw it away, and just keep adding cauliflower, broccoli, carrots. Right, you get an Italian antipasti, and that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. More eggs. Egg inspiration, by the way, the technique of the week next week, uh, stuffed eggs, because we've deviled gotten eggs. deviled eggs, all these requests after we talked about eggs, uh, about how to make the perfect deviled egg. Next week, 
That is our technique of the week. true tutorial on deviled eggs. Okay, you can thank us later. When we come back, if you're a hot dog lover, well, then you're perfectly suited to be listening to this show. Part two of our legendary conversation with a legendary family, the Pink's Hot Dog Stand, 74 years in the making, in fact, Richard and Gloria Pink. Part two of our Pink's Hot Dog interview coming up after this. Plus, we're celebrating the short but delicious Hatch Chili season with Ida Rodriguez of Melissa's and no baked desserts. Now that you've eaten and you haven't turned on the oven, what's the sweet? Well, no baked desserts coming up from our resident pastry chef, Abby Dodge, later in this hour. Don't touch your dial. There's more delicious conversation right after this. It's delicious. It's divine. You're in line at Pink's. You guys are diehard pink lovers, right? There we go. I understand. Wait, you're a, a resident Angelino. I am a native Angelino. And never been to Pink's and before. Never been to Pink's before. Today's the day. Thanks for a Chef Jamie dog. Jamie dog. Absolutely. Go. I'm ready. Well, prepare yourself because it might be one of the most incredible culinary experiences you've ever Chef had. Jamie dog. Every year I create a signature dog because of all the incredible things I am proud of in my career. I will tell you one of them is being on the wall at Pink's. So for National Hot Dog Month, we celebrate this year's dog is all about the inspiration of summer barbecue. It's got grilled onions, grilled mushrooms, bacon, coleslaw, barbecue sauce. Yummy barbecue sauce. That's right. And uh, chopped tomatoes all on a signature Pink's dog. You know, it's that... It's that a steamed bun, yeah, that's yeah. right. It's the snap of their dog that's, that's so cute. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. Just you wait. I've had sabrettes in New York. There you go. But I've never been here to have the Pink's experience. So today it's the Chef Jamie dog for me. And L.A. versus New York, I think. You know, I, I kind of have a bias, but I know which coast is going to win. I think so, too. Yeah. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio Did you know that according to the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council, the average American eats about 60 hot dogs a year? That doesn't make me average at all. That's all? I know. (laughs) I'm one chili cheese dog into my quota as we broadcast from Pinks in Hollywood, established in 1939. It is no doubt an everlasting love story and a long-lasting addiction. The L.A. landmark where everybody comes for the ultimate best hot dog ever. You can find Pink's um, almost around the globe. We're hoping you get to that place. Well, right now, people have been talking about Pink's for 73 years. So many very large amusement parks and casinos and hotels have said we have to carry Pink's. Our customers would love it. They'll come back to our hotel, to our casino, our amusement park, because Pink's is there. So some of the great locations that we have, locally, we're in San Diego at Harris Rincon Casino. We're at Universal Studios, both CityWalk and on the theme park. We're also in Las Vegas in two locations right on the Strip, so you can have fun right on the Strip. At the Planet Hollywood Hotel, we're at the Red Rock Casino in Las Vegas, we're at the Cedar Point Amusement Park, one of the biggest amusement parks, has 19 roller coasters and a Pink's hot dog right on the midway. May I suggest the 19 roller coasters and then the Pink's hot dog? That's right. That's the right order. Okay, good. I have to say, and we're at Knott's Berry Farm as well, and in the summer, we're at all the county fairs around Southern California, so you really can't miss a Pink's. 
people are talking to us all over the world. They really want to bring Melrose Avenue right. in Los Angeles all the way to Tokyo. Oh. And they are talking to us about opening a Pink's in Tokyo okay. in order to celebrate. We would love to come to the opening of that. Thank yes. you for you the are invitation. <laughs> officially invited. Officially invited. Thank you. Yes, thank, thank you. you. I will say there are some things in the world uh, that I will wait in line for. And you know, Lana, when she raised me, always taught me the very insightful fact that if there was a line, you're supposed to get in it because it means always. there's something good. Uh-huh. If yes. people are willing to wait in line, it must be a Pink's hot dog or pa. Or something delicious, right? It's the best word of mouth there is. It is. The truth is that hot dogs can be boiled or steamed or grilled or barbecued or filled with beef or pork, but there's nothing like a Pink's. Wait, and until 3 in the morning. Yeah, so let's talk about that because who knew? I never knew. Although I did, when I was working in professional kitchens, always find my late night fix Mm -hmm. here, and you know that. There's always a conglomerate of chefs that arrive after dinner service at the restaurants in L.A. But your busiest hours are now midnight to 3? Well, the busiest hours are throughout the day, I have to say. But from midnight to 3, it is a party at Pink's. So whether you're coming in a pickup or you're coming in a limo, (laughs) you can find a Pink's Chili Dog or any of our scrumptious 35 kinds of hot dogs at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning. And if you arrive here at 3 in the morning and you're in line, we'll be open until 4 in the morning until we finish that line. Friday and Saturday nights. Friday and Saturday night, but the rest of the week. 3 a.m. And 2 a.m. the rest of the night. That's insane. I wonder if anybody has attempted to pair wines with your hot dogs. Because we know that a frosty beer is usually the complement. Although you do have a particular pairing here at Pink's. Well, I like the pairing of a Brando dog with an orange crush. That's oh. how he did it. And it's a young Gosh. orange crush, Beverly, your, your brother has such a perfected palate. Yes, really. He yes, he does, yes. for sure. Yes. But I took it upon myself, because you know, I pride myself on being a certified sommelier as well, to put together some hot dog wine pairings hoping that we could pair with Lana's favorite, which is kraut and deli mustard, stripped down what I think is the true classic. I think that the perfect pairing there, because you've got the bite of the mustard, you've got the sour pungency of the kraut. You need something slightly sweeter. And so I'm going on the waves of Riesling or Gewürztraminer. And and I'm thinking, yes, if we were to bring a bottle to Pink's, that would be what I would want to sit down and open and pour. Now, let's say we're going the famous Pink's chili cheese dog route, which you know is so very much me. Um, I think you need a really big full-bodied red to take those tannins and cut through the fat and lots of ripe fruit to balance the flavor of the chili. So I'm going with a big, super fruity Syrah, something big and bold. I'm wondering if you'll sit down to a glass with me. I would love to have a glass of Syrah with you over a chili dog. And then for everything fried on the menu, because we know that Lana cannot get enough of onion rings with ranch, right? So true. So good, right? (laughs) I will say that there is nothing less than classy about the idea of opening a bottle of bubbly and toasting your friends at Pink's because the ultimate compliment to anything salty, rich, fatty, and delicious (laughs) is a sparkler. And so whether it be cava from Spain, Prosecco from Italy, champagne from France, or a California sparkling wine, I think that we should all raise our glasses to you 
you are the legacy that keeps pinks alive. And along with your glorious wife, always decked out in pink, Gloria, um, and your sister, Beverly, we are proud to know you, to love you, and to love pinks. And I will forever, I will tell you, be grateful to be featured on the wall of a, what is a continuing legacy. There's nothing like a chef's jacket photo eating a pink's hot dog baby. <laughs> and it, I'll, I'll never get enough of it. Thank I really you, can't. Jamie. I can't. With Yay. Chef Jamie, we celebrate life. That's right. Uh, no doubt we do. Uh, Lana, it was another great year, I have to say, of celebrating National Hot Dog Month in true style, don't you think? I wish there were two months a year that were National <laughs> Hot Dog Month. Well, I, I, I'm going to definitely leave it on that note and agree with you. The true Los Angeles landmark as we celebrate every year, and we're glad you could celebrate with us. Whether you live in SoCal or you're heading out to paradise for a vacation, no matter where you come from, Pinks will always be here with open arms and a chili cheese dog to delight the palate. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana, in your radio. Don't go away. Sweet Melissa. We're heating it up in your radio with grand guests and delicious conversation. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana, in your radio. Our produce partner, Melissa's, has done it again. Fresh hatch chilies for those chili heads. Always know that the beautifully available but limited quantity of New Mexico chilies come just a few short weeks a year in August and September. It's that wonderfully green, thick flesh that's full of robust, earthy flavor of the hatch chili that I love. But what do you do with the bold and bountiful crop when you celebrate this year's prized chili season? Well, Ida Rodriguez, corporate chef for Melissa's Produce, along with the company founder Sharon Hernandez, have written a manual of recipes, tips, and techniques to teach you how to master roasting, storing, and savoring the beauty of hatch chilies. The book has just released and is being most sought after at Amazon.com and Melissa's.com. It's called Melissa's Hatch Chili Cookbook. And Ida Rodriguez joins us live to Dish. We're glad to have you back. Ida, good day. Hello. Good day, Jamie and Lana. <laughs> okay, let's talk essentials first, because you know I'm a hatch chili head. I'll never forget, it was a lot of years ago, in fact, even before Melissa's was spreading the gospel of hatch. We had a friend that would leave a bag of hatch chilies at the front door, Ida, and I think we've told you this story, because they were so sought after. You had to open the door real fast and grab the bag, you know. <laughs> It was a really big secret. <laughs> it was. And really, it's now become readily available through Melissa's. And I think that's a sheer beauty. It is. It is. And people are receiving it very well. And even people that didn't know about it now do, which is the beauty of it. And we just love bringing it out to everyone. Talk mm-hmm. about, if you would, the essentials of hatch chilies, because they come in a couple of varieties, and you should know what you're looking for. Right. It is actually the only chili around that comes in, let's say, all flavors, in a mild, medium, hot, super hot, and extra hot. As I call them, kill you, chilies. Yes, they will. <laughs> yes. But they, are, they all have the good hatch flavor, and then they have the heat degree, depending on which variety you pick. So that's the beauty of it, that everyone can have hatch chilies. Even people that don't like spiciness get the very mild, which has very little spice, but has the flavor. And then you intense the heat by moving on to the different varieties. 
So that's, I think, the, the greatest thing about the Hatch chili, as opposed to other chilies that are either hot or not. I agree with you. So you have a range on the Scoville scale. This is also a very unique chili for someone who might say, well, I'm not a chili head. Absolutely. And the beauty of it is, yes, it has a complexity to it, Ida, a, a subtle sweetness, a richness, a denseness to it that makes it come alive with flavor. Now, visibly, visually, the chili itself resembles, would you say, like an Anaheim, a Pasilla? I mean, it's what you expect when you see yes. a California chili. Actually, it is related to that chili. The difference is in the thickness of the wall. If you just look at them on the outside, they look very, very similar. Mm -hmm. But when you roast them, you'll see that the thickness of the the flesh is a lot thicker in the hatch. So you get more uh, body to it. And, of course, the flavor. Yeah, and you want to talk about the best chili relleno you've ever had? Absolutely. They are are thick, juicy, and totally delicious. They are, and you Mm -hmm. happen to love them. Mild, as long as it says mild on the box. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I am a a good hatch chili lover. Interestingly enough, though, it's not that you would consider yourself a chili head. Mm -hmm. This is one of those unique flavor profiles that appeals almost to food connoisseurs to me more than it does those that love chilies. I almost look at it as an ingredient rather than Mm -hmm. a chili. I could put them in my Bloody Mary and I could put them in my chocolate chip cookies. In anything in between as well. Exactly. I really really like that about you. A versatile chili. Just for the record. (laughs) Now, we know that Melissa's hosts these incredible roasts during the hatch chili season at grocery stores across the country it's a very popular party and we always attend we do love to broadcast live from those parties too um but with that said ida if you buy fresh hatch how do you roast them best at home and take us through the storing process as well please well the best way if you are going to do them at home i think is outside on the barbecue grill you get your grill really nice and hot and then just put the chilies on there and you rotate them as they charge so that it's like an assembly line that you've got them coming and going off the grill as they charge. And then you put them in a plastic bag or a paper bag, or you can put them in a bowl and cover it with a damp towel so that they'll sweat. And in the sweating time is when the skin all loosens from the chili pot. But there are other ways to roast them as well. You could do them inside your home in the oven under the broiler or a very hot oven, say a 450-degree oven. You could also roast one or two if you just wanted to do a few right directly over the stove on the gas flame. All you want to do is charge the skin. You're not actually cooking the chili, which is the beauty of it. Once you have let them sweat when they've cooled, then you peel them, either under the running water. To save them, you want to put them in resealable baggies. So I like to put them in smaller sizes, a size that I would use in a meal. And you just put them in the baggies and then put them in your freezer. And that is how you store them all year, which, by the way, you have to because they're only around for about six weeks during the summer. August and September? And then you won't be able to get them anymore. So you want to buy your stash and put it away for the rest of the year. And I will mention that as time goes, like towards the end of the year, your chilies do get hotter. Okay, so let's talk about this. There is something about the capsicum in these chilies that actually increases in heat over time, especially from the freezer. 
right. to your plate. Yeah, and I always knew this growing up because we are from West Texas and used to do this every year, but we just accepted it. I had no idea why, right. <laughs> but I did ask uh, recently, and I was told that what they don't actually get hotter. What happens is they lose a lot of moisture in the freezer as That's... time goes on, and so the flavor is more intensified. It's kind of like uh, dried mushrooms or your sun-dried tomatoes. That's what's amazing about it. It's the evaporation of the natural moisture content. that Exactly. It really impacts and compounds the flavor of the chili and the heat level of the chili. Now, I happen to love that because I love that the dynamic in flavor changes over time. And I do the same thing you do that you taught us, Ida. I'll package them depending upon what I'm going to make. But I will say too, that I'll leave some whole, I'll chop some up Uh and put them in the freezer in strips, diced so that I can use them lots of different ways. Right. Some people actually won't peel them before. If you have a whole lot and you don't want to spend the time peeling them when you're roasting them, you could freeze them with the skin on, and they're very easy to peel. I would just rather do it all up front and not have to stop when I'm cooking to peel them. And I agree. Them. Yeah, no, I agree completely. All right, now let's use them. Because, by the way, congratulations, the recipes in the book are truly mm. inspired. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And I love the idea that we can truly relish hatch chilies all year long. So we'll start at breakfast, and then we'll plan lunch at breakfast and dinner at lunch, like Lana and I do, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, make ahead breakfast and enchiladas. What a great idea to serve a crowd. What a wonderful way to use up the hatch chilies that are so plentiful during the season, but to also prepare for that family meal all year long. Yes, it's a great recipe to make ahead. Like you said, you could make it the night before for breakfast in the morning or actually make it and freeze it and then just Mm. pull it out later and bake it. And I will mention that that recipe also calls for hatch chili powder which is also something that uh, is now available. And it's the it's like chili powder, but it has a little bit of the different flavor. It's the hat. Mm. So you want to keep that on hand all the time, too, and add that. Oh, it's wonderful. I put it into my chocolate ice cream base. She's oh, been making hatch yes. chili chocolate ice cream this summer. I'm impressed, Lana. From yes. the, well, you know she makes the best ice cream, but it's from the hatch chili powder from last season, mm-hmm. Ida. And I keep it by the stove as well. If I'm, you know, just quickly sauteing a, a beautiful filet of fish or otherwise, I think it adds a really unique level of flavor. without heat. Without heat, yeah. exactly. Speaking of a little bit of heat, though... You make a snack that we absolutely love, and I could be completely and totally addicted to honey mustard pretzel crunch. It is addicting. It is addicting. So this is a combination of butter and honey, and then mustard pretzels or onion-flavored pretzels, like you say, along with smoked almonds and hatched chili powder. Does it get any better than that? It's delicious, like you said, and it's so easy to make. It's a nice little um, appetizer or something to just have for a picnic or anywhere, really. And it keeps really well. Yeah, great with a cocktail. Oh, absolutely. And it's pretty to look at. Yes. It's very pretty, and Mm -hmm. it's it's got the sweet and the salty and the heat. Oh, it's got it And you could add hot powder instead of the mild and make it really spicy. Love that. Mm. Okay, talk to us about hatch chili stuffed meatloaf. It's an old recipe that I've made forever, but I used to use spinach. And so it was a meatloaf stuffed with spinach. And then I thought, why not hatch? It's like a whole different new recipe. Everybody loves it. Very easy to make. 
and adds a lot of flavor to the meatloaf. That's really smart. I can't wait to make mango hatch rellenos with mango chipotle sauce. That's first on my list from the book, Ida, to prepare. <laughs> and you're invited over. Um, and then with about a minute or so left, take us to the sweeter side because uh, I have had one of your hatch chili s'mores, as had Lana. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, that is one of my most extraordinary dessert memories all because of you. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. They're all very easy recipes. And the idea of the book is I'm trying to let everybody know that you can use hatch in absolutely everything and all types of cuisine. It's not just for Southwest or Mexican cooking. You can put it in everything. And, I mean, who would have thought s'mores with some heat? Hmm. You flavor the chocolate that you dip the s'mores in, and um, you, again, can use the hot or the mild chili. They're incredible. Wait till you taste them. We love your spicy ice cubes and ginger ale Those as are well. fun, yes. Really fun. For that, you'll just have to buy the book. And then you should know that all of us hatch chili heads have been known to roast uh, and then peel, clean, and soak hatch chilies in a big vat of tequila <laughs> for sheer memory's sake all year long. I have a science experiment on my kitchen counter always going with hatch chilies and my favorite tequila. That's and I will amazing. tell you, yeah, it's a conversation mm-hmm. starter and it makes everyone want to come to your house for a dinner party. <laughs> It really does. Brunch, Ida, lunch, or dinner. The recipes, brunch, lunch, and dinner, as Lana said, are all fabulous. And well, we congratulate you. you and Sharon. I think it's really exciting to have the opportunity to heat up every day of the year with Melissa's Hatch mm-hmm. Chilies. And you can do so with this really incredible collection of recipes for the world's tastiest chili. Think juicy and totally delicious from Chef Ida Rodriguez and Melissa's co-owner Sharon Hernandez. From the New Mexico region where these gorgeous chilies come from, you now have a cookbook to celebrate Hatch Chilies all year long. It's available mm. at melissas.com, at amazon.com, and we guarantee you it is an incredible investment for those that truly love to eat. Ida, we can't wait to have you back on again, and we'll see you soon. Oh, thank you so much, Jamie. It's a pleasure. Yes, always our pleasure. As we heat up summer in your radio, don't touch your dial. There's more fabulous food right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen back with you along with Lana in your radio. We have Abby Dodge with us this morning. Hey, Abby, are you there? No, we seem to have lost her. So as the delicious conversation continues, we were just about to share the ideas for no-cook desserts as this delicious conversation continues. We seem to be having some technical problems in studio here, so please stay with us. We're all about keeping it cool this summer. So we had come up with ideas, Lana, you and I, to make dinner a breeze without having to uh, turn on your oven or fire up the stove. And we talked about all the best pantry items at chefjamie.com that you could keep it cool for summer with. And keeping a box of chocolate wafers in your pantry will just save you so much time and effort for a quick dessert. Isn't that true? So, okay, here's our delicious inspiration. And by the way, posted at chefjamie.com is Abby's best panna cotta recipe. And we're hoping to bring her on with us so that we can share and she can share more specifically her ricotta panna cotta. Is she there? Abby, good morning. Are you there? I am here. Good morning. Good morning. 
I'm so glad it wouldn't it wouldn't be a dessert conversation without you. Ladies and gentlemen, she is Abby Dodge, our resident pastry chef on the radio, uh, widely respected baking expert, popular cookbook author, and of course, the most recent book entitled Mini Treats and Handheld Sweets, Delicious Desserts to Pick Up and Eat. Abby, we're glad you're here. Welcome back. Oh, it's my pleasure, especially to chat about something so sweet and delicious with you ladies. Well, thank you. We think you're sweet, no doubt. And um, we were just waiting for you to come on and talking about how this earlier in the show, we were uh, dishing on what we call keep it cool recipes where you don't have to fire up the oven, Abby. And I'm sure you tuned in. We thought that your no cook dessert essentially would make the perfect finish. (laughs) Well, it definitely is. And you know what? Even though, you know, I am a baker and and you guys are and many of your listeners are, I know that. But just because you are a baker doesn't mean you you have to turn on the oven, right? That's very true. And there are lots of wonderful dessert recipes that are simple, no cook or no bake that you can throw together and truly please the palate. Because, you know, I believe that every meal should end with dessert. And that's why I love you, James. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to us about panna cotta and give us a little history, if you would, because you make yours with ricotta cheese and it has some gelatin in it as well. But it's that rich creaminess that we mm-hmm. crave. Lana loves a panna cotta. Mm. Well, exactly. And and I have always been such a fan of this you know, essentially Italian dessert. Right. Um, and I use ricotta, but I bet Lana... Mm-hmm. I know you, and so I yeah. know you love using heavy cream, maybe yes. a combination of of whole milk and heavy cream. Wow, the cat's yes. out of the bag, Lana. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I know do. my Lana. That's right. <laughs> um, but I use ricotta um, because I think, number one, it's a little bit lighter in, in, um, in cream. Like texture, tenure. right? Yes. yes. Exactly. And I do something interesting. Um, with the ricotta in this um, in this panna cotta, I actually put it. I process it all in the in a blender, and that takes that the texture of the ricotta down to a more creamy mouth feel. So mm. it's a little bit mm-hmm. smoother than using it straight up. Yeah, oh, it's, I like that so much better. I, I do too. It's like putting it. cottage cheese in the food processor. And I even believe that the low-fat ricotta cheese tastes wonderful. I have to agree. It's a good low-fat substitute. Mm-hmm. I like cheese pureed like that, Abby. Like I mentioned, cottage cheese, ricotta cheese. It does change the mouth feel. Exactly, and um, and I think that you know it's just it's this adding ricotta is just kind of a fun a fun little variation. You know, like me being a little whimsical here in the kitchen. So you know, if your listeners want to try, actually, I mean, why not use a, a cottage cheese pureeing it like that? Depending upon what you have in the house, I mean, you could use a combination, I would think, right? A ricotta and mascarpone. Oh, lovely. Or heavy cream, or some people do it with cream cheese. I love your recipe with the vanilla bean paste, because you know that if I could, I would bathe in that stuff. We are fans. Yes, we are fans. We are fans. Lovely. Yes. Lovely. And what's nice about using vanilla bean paste in this panna cotta is not only do you get that heady essence um, that's both, you know, in the smell and the taste of the lovely vanilla. You get those gorgeous, sexy, little vanilla bean seeds that are going to float and be mm. suspended in your panna cotta and mm-hmm. make it look dynamite. 
And this recipe is only five ingredients, but I think the questionable one would be the gelatin. Ah, good that, point. That you use in here, Abby. Okay, talk to us about using gelatin and how unintimidating it should be. It's super easy. Yes. It's really super easy. The most important thing using um, tip in using powdered gelatin, the granulated kind that we buy in the envelope, is to soften it, submerge it in Water, in this recipe, we use a quarter cup of water to one and one-half teaspoons of unflavored powdered gelatin, um, and we let that soak. And what that does, it blooms. They call it a bloom. It will, and it will actually absorb the water and get, I hate to say it, very gelatinous. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Thus, it's doing its job. Yes. 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 And, that's and it only takes a few minutes. Exactly. This is a very um, quick process before exactly. you put but together. Exactly. I, I do find that people will tend to, when they have problems, they'll say, oh, maybe it wasn't a total quarter cup of water that I used, or I only used half because I didn't think it was important. Um, it's very important. Um, the other thing that's very important, especially in a panna cotta, in the finished texture, is not to use too much gelatin. Right, ladies? We don't want to use that mm-hmm. full packet. We just want to use the, the teaspoon and a half because mm-hmm. we want the finished panna cotta to be firm enough, but not it's not a jello, mm-hmm. right? We're not looking for something that wiggles like jello. We want it just to shimmy a bit. Yes, right, it's almost exactly. custardy. Mm-hmm. It's a step above pudding, but it's a set up custard. But far before Jello, mm-hmm. exactly. And one of the things I remember from my restaurant experience, Abby, too, is that once you had that beautiful pureed mixture, you take the ricotta as you. Uh, suggest in the method along with the melted gelatin the vanilla bean bean paste you blend it all together um i remember it being more liquidy and we would always strain it so you would pass it through a fine strainer but nothing not like a a tammy per se but just if you wanted to take out any um of the grit do you ever puree yours um uh, on occasion i will um in and if you choose to do that um, in this in this recipe, if you choose to strain, you will. Um, I want you to leave out that vanilla bean paste until after you and strain. put it in after smart. And um, what it will do to the finished texture is just take out maybe those tiny last bits of uh, ricotta curd. Right. Um, and then mm-hmm. add stir in the vanilla bean paste. And then put it into the glasses. And then straight into glasses. Right. You can mm-hmm. also do them in ramekins. You know, I think I gave you guys, you know, yes. kind of my funny mm-hmm. little, it's a very kind of sexy, adult-looking picture. Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous in the tilted glass. I yeah. love Gorgeous, yeah. I love that. You can use it that. in just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ramekins or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, whatever you'd like, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and wait till you see this boozy sauce. I do want to mention one thing, though, that there are gelatin sheets that could be used. Yes, you you could use a gelatin sheet as opposed to powder. Yes. Yeah, and, and that's a whole nother lesson and a whole nother radio segment with Abby. We'll pick that up next time we speak with her. That we will. We love the raspberry sauce. We love that you tilted the glasses, that the (laughs) panna cotta looks so absolutely elegant. And I love that you just refrigerate it and a good, uh, you know, four hours or so once it's completely chilled, dessert is ready. The ricotta panna cotta 
inspiration with a raspberry Brezza Fresca, courtesy of Abby Dodge. You can bake with Abby, by the way, at abbydodge.com, and you can capture this recipe and steal it for your own collection at chefjamie.com. Abby, back with us next month. We can't wait. We're sorry to cut you short, but we thank you for sharing delicious conversation. Uh, thank you. Our pleasure as well. Abby thank Dodge, abbydodge.com. We'll talk to you soon, Ab. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. And uh, we'll leave you with our last bite. Lana, we left off before we brought Abby on um, talking about the necessity of chocolate wafer cookies. They are very necessary. Yes, that they are. So talk to us <laughs> about your no-bake dessert to leave us with a final thought well, here. Well, I think uh, if you keep a, can- a canister of the uh, chocolate frosting, of a rich chocolate frosting or vanilla chocolate frosting in the house Mm -hmm. just put it between some wafer cookies you could pile them up Mm -hmm. make a nice little uh three Uh, or four uh tower is that on its way to an icebox cake yes (laughs) (laughs) it's the new version of it that it is right yes then put a little frosting on top with some chopped pecans or Mm. any nut of your choice yeah and a little coconut and it sort of becomes a german chocolate tower of chocolate wafers yeah i love that this is the concept of a no bake no cook no need for any difficulty dessert Mm -hmm. when it comes to hot summers i thought i would make a peanut butter icebox bite so the same chocolate wafer that you're talking about and then just a, a whipped cream uh peanut butter mousse where you combine heavy cream peanut butter some powdered sugar and you season it, you know, mm-hmm. just a pinch of salt and some vanilla. Oh, and nice. then you put that peanut butter mousse in between chocolate lay, uh, wafer cookies and layer them. And now you have a no-bake dessert that's perfect. full of flavor. Absolutely perfect. Sounds good to me. We, We're gonna... ha- we could have that with lunch today. <laughs> we could have that for breakfast right now. Uh-huh. I'd be happy. Pour another cup of coffee. Uh, we hope that you'll sit down with a cup of coffee with us next Sunday as the delicious conversation continues in your radio. Chef Michael Vaughn uh, at La Quinta Resort and Spa sharing his best ideas. Wait till you hear about this killer grilled salmon that he does. Plus, we're talking about technology and the ever-growing and fast-moving pace of technology when it comes to food, online, and more. Plus, Michael Jordan will be with us sharing his best summer wine picks. So please sit down. We'll toast you next Sunday right here in your radio. Serving up seconds at ChefJamie.com and on Facebook and Twitter at ChefJamieGwen. Don't miss Cutthroat Kitchen. Sunday night, August 11th, Food Network, 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. I'll meet you there. And until next Sunday, I'm Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana signing off. We thank you for listening, and we hope you continue to eat well.